Make God's Word the standard for your life. The glory of God in the face of Christ is an open field for every willing heart to participate in the divine life produced by the death and resurrection power of Jesus. 1 John 2.6 says, He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. The world around you may say that's impossible, but by understanding the divine life and yielding to the Holy Spirit daily, he'll help us to live as Christ did. Adonai desires to make the humankind more like Christ. It's not an event, it's a daily walk. Are you willing? Let's listen to today's message. Number four, the spiritual Christian desires to be useful rather than famous. The spiritual Christian desires usefulness over fame. In other words, he desires to serve or to meet the needs of other people than being served. He's always looking to serve the needs of people. He's always looking to be useful in any area that his strengths or his gifts or his talents or anything that he's been blessed with can play a role. We live in a world where both the young and the old struggle to attain fame and status. And such is not the desire of the spiritual man. Such is not the desire of the spiritual Christian. There are people who would do anything, I mean anything, to achieve fame and status. That is not a goal of the spiritual Christian. The spiritual Christian wants to be useful. There's nothing wrong about being famous. No. There are a lot of famous people who are good. There are a lot of famous people who are godly. There are a lot of famous people who are spiritual Christians. There are a lot of famous people who are useful. But the point that I'm making here is that the heart of the spiritual man is towards usefulness. In other words, he does what he is known for or he does the things that he does because he's making himself useful in the hands of God. He's a vessel of God. And that is where he, he derives his motives. We are saturated around us with a culture that promotes fame. Everybody wants to be famous, even in doing good. Give, a man, give money to a stranger on the street and it has to be filmed on camera. Even in our doing good, we want to be famous. That is not how the spiritual man wants to live. And I always imagine that in heaven, we are going to be shocked by the people who are going to be commended by God. And I, I strongly desire to be part of people like that who God looks at. No man knows that they're even doing any, any good. They're not famous. That old lady in that little community somewhere in some small town, doing good, serving the needs of others, helping the helpless. See, the heart of the spiritual Christian delights to be where God is. God is close to the brokenhearted. God is close to the needy. He's close to the orphan. He's close to the widow. He's close to the brokenhearted. He's close to the contrite heart, the Bible says, that the one who has a broken spirit, where there is a crying out. That's where the heart of the spiritual man is because he is a vessel of honor. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, that for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand 
for us to walk in them. I am the workmanship of God. He, he, he made me for his good works. And he's called me to walk in them. And that is the delight of every spiritual Christian. You are the workmanship of God. He made you in Christ Jesus for good works. And he says he prepared it before. He prepared it beforehand, before you even ever existed, that you should walk in them. So the spiritual man is already full of honor. He's not in search of honor and greatness in the way that we see it in the world, fame, status, young people everywhere, depressed, just because of these same reasons. Everybody wants to be known. Everybody wants to be famous because we've attached value, significance to so much to fame that we lose hold of the things that even make people famous, that it's, it becomes all about the fame. The spiritual man is already honored. He is a servant. He is already honored. The Bible says beforehand, he called me to do good. Why would I then do good and seek to be famous by doing good? As if I, I, I have no honor and I, I'm ignorant of my identity. I'm ignorant of the place where God has put me. I'm ignorant of how blessed I am, that I was blessed even before the foundations of the world, that I was called in Christ. I was chosen. I was predestined in Christ. All of this came before I even existed. Christ delighted in me. He loved me before they, he, he even made the world. And I'm doing things in the world that he made. And I'm seeking honor so much. I'm seeking fame so much. No, I just want to be useful. I just want to go where he, he needs me. I just want, to, want him to use me for whatever good he wants to do. And in me, because I am made for his good works, in me are gifts. In me are talents. He's giving me the strength, the ability to do everything that I need to do. So the spiritual man does not live life wanting to be famous. No, he wants to be useful. He is a servant. He's not unaware of his honor. There is, there is a verse in Psalm 49. In Psalm 49, let me start from verse 16. Psalm 49 from verse 16, the Bible says, Do not be afraid when one becomes rich, when the glory of his house is increased. For when he dies, he shall carry nothing away. His glory shall not descend after him. Though while he lives, he blesses himself. For men will praise you when you do well for yourself. He shall go to the generation of his fathers. They shall never see light. And in verse 20 of Psalm 49, the Bible says, A man who is in honor yet without understanding is like the beasts that perish. So I am in honor and I lack understanding that in Christ Jesus I'm full, I'm complete. I don't need any flimsy, any fragile recognition. And this gets people depressed, Christians. <laughs> people become depressed because they are not getting the fame that they want. 
They're not getting the recognition that they want. Now, if you get recognition, it's good. It's nice. If it's okay, if you're doing something, if you're displaying your talent or your gifts anywhere, God has placed you and through that you become famous. Hopefully it's not for the bad reasons. It's criminals become famous too. But whatever you're doing in goodness that is making you famous, there's nothing wrong with it. God is more interested in my motives so that I don't start doing something and put, put, put it ahead of me that I want to be famous. And that's all because people have gotten there. And you just look around, talk to people who are famous and ask them what is the most meaningful thing in their lives. Listen to them. And after you, you, you learn wisdom from them, ask yourself, do you really desire to be famous still? Do you, is it the number one thing that you want? No. The spiritual man says, I want to be useful. A man in honor yet does not understand is like the beast that perish. I am born of God. I am loved of God. I am the beloved of Christ. He's made me special. He's called me holy. I am all these things. I'm clothed in honor in Christ. I am forgiven. I am sanctified daily. I am holy. I am the righteousness of God. I am in union with Christ. I have fellowship with my maker. This is in honor. So with all this, this glorious hope that I have, this honor that I have, if I look past what I am in Christ and I do not have understanding of what he's made me, I'm like the beast that perish. I'm, I'm in honor, but I'm not even aware of how honorable I am in Christ. How good and perfect He's made me. And there is something, certainly there's something wrong with me. So the spiritual Christian knows I am useful. I want to serve because I'm already blessed. I'm not in search of some riches, some honor, some recognition. His identity, her identity is formed in Christ. It is sealed. He is complete. As far as who she is is concerned, it is finished. And spiritual Christians boast in the cross of Christ. Nothing else. They could be rich. They could be poor. They could be sick. They could be disabled. They could be tall. They could be short. They could be whatever it is. They could be born anywhere in the world and they will still shine. They will still radiate. They will still illuminate the glory of God. They transcend. That's why I call it the transcendent life. Nothing comes in between them and their God. They live in honor. They are princes. They are princesses. They boast in the ability of God. They are hopeful. They are full of faith. They are strong. They are patient. They develop the fruits of the Spirit. They are immovable. <laughs> Nothing really changes their identity. They live in problems and challenges just like any other human being would live here on earth. But it doesn't alter who they are. That is honor. And if I don't understand this honor that I have in Christ, that God himself purchased me by hanging himself on the cross for me, then no amount of honor 
would make me feel good. So one of the biggest problems that a man or Christians have is a lack of understanding of how much God loves us. When, when one knows how much he's loved, he's able to love. See, my inability to love is because I don't know how much I'm loved. I don't know how much I've received. My inability to be patient is because I don't know how much patient God has been. I don't know how the level of patience I've received in my life with all my insubordinations and evil nature. But God has been patient. And when you look upon the patience of God to man that he has made with his hands, it makes you wonder, why, why do you even go to that level, God? You can just wipe men away from the earth and you'll still be God. Yet he's patient. And when the more a man understands that, the more a man understands the love, the forgiveness of God, he's able to forgive easily. Not because he's strong in forgiveness, but because he's come to encounter, he's been a recipient of abundance of patience, abundance of love. So much love that he swallowed up in love. And so he says, make me useful. I want to go out there and be like you. I, I have no moral right or dignity to deny anyone my forgiveness, to deny anyone my love. In Romans 13 verse 8, the Bible says, Oh, no man, nothing except love. So the spiritual Christian wants to be useful because he's already in honor. He is a servant of God. And he serves out of what he has, out of the fullness of what he's attained, of what he's received from God. And so being famous is nothing here on earth to him. He could still do good anywhere in the world, whether there's no internet, nobody's going to take pictures of him, nobody's going to record him and put it on the internet. No, he just does it. And he's, he's done, he's fulfilled. His fulfillment is in how useful he is, how God is using him to serve the needs of others. When someone is hungry, he feeds them and that's it. His job is done. Nobody needs to know about it anyway. He doesn't care. What he cares about is obeying the voice of God, the commandment of God, walking in the counsel of God, doing the will of God. And what is the will of God? God's heart is that all men would know him through Christ Jesus. His heart is with the brokenhearted, like I said. That little boy who is hopeless, that young man who has no hope, that depressed friend who doesn't seem to find any meaning in life, God answers to those people and he makes them stronger. He takes weak people like me, <laughs> shy people who had no identities formed, and he builds them up. He strengthens them and they are able to stand. And not only are they able to stand, after they have been able to stand, they are able to help others stand on their feet. And that is the power of God through the spiritual Christian. And the question that I ask myself was, is, what do I desire to do? And why do I desire to do that which I desire? Is it to be useful to God? So I'll tell you, the most, one of the most powerful prayers 
of the spiritual Christian is that God use me. God break me, save me to others. God make me nothing that I would become something in your hands. Save me to others. I want to be useful. I want to go where you want to be. You want to feed the poor? I want to do it. Equip me to do it. So that in all his getting, in all his desires, he desires to fulfill the will of God with all that he is in Christ. Can't imagine that God is not ashamed to call himself my God, that I am welcomed in the counsel of God, at the throne of God, such honor that in Christ Jesus, I have boldness to go to God. I'm even able to pray to God, the one who made me. I'm even able to communicate with him. Such honor. Now, having been honored like this, having had this assurance of faith, what more is there to have? If this doesn't satisfy me, Facebook likes wouldn't. (laughs) Instagram cannot fill that void in me. YouTube will not do it. Standing in the popular church and preaching and everyone saying, wow, what a word. He preached so good. He doesn't do anything. I'm already full. I don't need the praises of men anymore. It's nice when people tell you good things. We all love it. But a spiritual man does not live life on that. He doesn't want to preach because he's eloquent and he's Good, he's an excellent teacher of the Bible. Oh no, God take that pride out out of me. That even in seven, I would still be that proud? No, I would rather not do it. And I would pray even if it comes, like that Paul says, yet not I. Yet not I. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15 from verse 9, Apostle Paul says, For I am the least of the apostles who am not worthy to be called an apostle. Because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I. But the grace of God which was with me. Therefore, whether it was I or they, so we preached. And so they believed. That is the character of the spiritual Christian. But all of his boastings is in Christ. Yet not I. See, I don't even deserve to be called an apostle. Paul says, Christ Jesus came to the world to save sinners and I'm the chief of them. I'm the number one. He says, I'm the least of all the apostles and I don't even deserve to be called an apostle because I, I killed Christians. I persecuted the church. The same church that I'm teaching, I'm preaching, I'm writing to, I, I persecuted them. But he says, but the grace of God has made me what I am. And he says, that grace toward me was not in vain. We talked about grace in the last episode. The grace of God was not in vain because the grace of God came to teach me. The grace of God came to turn my life around. The grace of God came to direct me in a certain path. And that grace was not in vain. I did not only live in the happiness of my forgiveness. No, but I yielded myself to the grace. And the grace of God was not in vain, since I labored more abundantly than they are. 
When you look at a man who lived to the age of Apostle Paul, he had done a lot of things. You could say he got a lot of things wrong before he even met Christ. But he could still run to finish the race. That is hope. And a spiritual Christian at any point in time, it doesn't matter when and where you hear the voice of God. When the word comes to you, you say, God, make me useful. Christ himself didn't even live up to 40 years. But look at the power that he held here on earth. Look at the impact. Look at the force that he brought to this earth of ours. But he says, yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. My question is, Thomas, is the grace of God with you? My answer would be yes. What is that grace teaching you to do? How am I yielding to the grace of God? Is the grace of God making me more useful to God? More useful to the people of God? More useful to humans? Am I taking the grace of God in vain? Sitting in the comfort of my home and everything being me, about me, myself, and maybe my little family? No. When I was young in the Methodist church, I read about John Wesley. And one of the statements I loved about John Wesley is that he said, The world is my parish. See, some people get attached to their churches. I belong to this church and that's all they know. And I took that phrase, I, I took that statement and I said, the world is my parish. Take me anywhere, God. I want to be able to detach myself anywhere. I'm, I was born and raised in Ghana. But I don't want to be attached to Ghana so much that when the Lord sends me somewhere far from my country, I'm unable to go. Look at all the people God called and walked with. Called Abraham out of his home, walked with him. The spiritual man abides by the spoken word of God, not by anything else. I say, God, raise me up and use me in any way you want. Any way. Would it be hard sometimes? <laughs> yes, it would be hard sometimes. But I care about nothing but your spoken word. Take me anywhere that I would be useful. Whether I, I get more money there, whether I get less money than I would get somewhere else. If you have said, stay here and I'm going to make you useful, the only answer is yes, sir. I'm staying there. My family would not like it. Some other Christian brothers would not like it. They would not be happy about it, but I'm staying there because I want to be useful unto God. With all the talents, the gifts you've given me, I want to serve you with it. Whether it's within the church, whether it's outside the church, whether it's somewhere, anywhere, I will go. And the heart of the spiritual Christian cries out to fulfill the desires of God, to be useful to God. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 20, the Bible says that, But in a great house, they are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and clay. And some are for honor, some are for dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. Every good work. That is where the heart of the spiritual Christian is. Where he lives 
to serve, where he lives to be useful. His goal is not to be fame. His goal is not to be famous. I tell you, there are some better preachers that I've listened to who would never preach to a congregation of two thousand. There are some people who have spoken, and I, 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 I caught the rhema as though it was the oracles of God, and. Where they are operating, where God has planted them, they would never gather a congregation of even 500, even 100 people on one Sunday to speak to them, yet they are useful. And when you sit at their feet and listen to the word of God, something happens to you. There is a change in your heart. God speaks through them. They would never be seen on the TV. They would never be seen on the internet. And that is their calling and they are walking it. Now, there are others who are preaching on the TV who are doing exactly the same thing because that is how God is using them. But one thing is certain. The spiritual man only delights himself in his usefulness in the hands of God. When I started recording this podcast, and just like anything else I start doing, I always want to be sure that I fully understand why I'm doing it. I I have to search myself. I have to understand why I'm doing this. I have to let the words that I'm speaking change my very life. Like Paul says that after I have preached to others, I myself would not be a castaway. I want to be touched. I want to be transformed by the very words that I'm speaking. And one of the goals, one of the desires God laid on my heart is to do this for my kids, for my children. It's one of the biggest reasons why I'm doing this. I want my children to grow up and learn through everything I'm talking about. I want them to be able to listen to me, their father, teaching the Bible, sharing what God has offered me in his word. In Matthew chapter 23, Jesus says, The greatest among you shall be your servant. That is where the heart of the spiritual man is. When the work is done and he's been used by his Lord to serve others, He's done. He he wants nothing else. Nothing else adds or takes away from the person that he is and what he's attained in Christ Jesus. Does it make him more righteous? Neither does it make him less righteous. Does it make him more holy? Neither does it make him less holy. The praises of men are are like the wind. It it, it blows by and it's it's gone. It's fleeting. It's, It's gone. When God points at a man and says that this one is a faithful servant of mine. It's eternal. This one hears my word and he does it. This one listens to me and he walks in the paths that I've set for him. He obeys my words. That is powerful. And no human being can give me that. And that one doesn't need Fame, it's not the thing that makes me famous, no. But it shows that I am useful. That I'm not a vessel of clay. That I'm not a vessel of wood. I'm a vessel of gold. And God delights in me. That is what a spiritual man wants. So the summit of all usefulness, at the apex of all usefulness is the glory of God. It is the glory of God. The spiritual man wants to be useful. Because it brings glory to God. It shows the glory of God. 
it speaks about the power and the sovereignty of God. When a man is only interested in serving, there is something strange about it. When he's not in need of affirmation and recognition and fame from men, and he does everything you see him do just because he wants to serve. There is something strange about it. It communicates something, not about him, but about why he's doing that. And it draws men to a certain kind of glory that is not even resident in him. It's, it's something more than what he's doing. Why do you do this? Why would you risk your life? Why would you live this way? Not for yourself. Why are you that selfless? It's the kind of walk that drives men to ask questions. And questions that are higher than them. Questions that could only lead them to God. Like, why, why are you like this? Why aren't you complaining? Why, why aren't you resisting this? The answer is that it's the way of the master. That's, that's what Jesus did. The Bible says he was led as a sheep to the slaughter. And he was slayed by his sheriffs, and yet he did not open his mouth. So that is another higher level of virtue. You, you watch them do that to you with all the power that you, you have. Jesus told Pilate, don't, don't stop boasting. I, I have people who can fight for me. But I'm fulfilling a certain purpose. I, I'm here for a reason. It has been given to you to do this to me. What power? Not that he could not stop it, but that he chose to do it. In Philippians chapter 2, the Bible says from verse 1, Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if there is any comfort of life, if there is any fellowship of the Spirit, if there is any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be said through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each one of you look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. And it says, let this mind be in you, which also was in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bond servant and coming in the likeness of man. And being found in the likeness of man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. From one level, he drops down again, then he drops down again, then he drops down again, and he drops down again until he becomes nothing. But that which God wants to do in him, it's death to the self. One of the quotes that I like um, is from C.H. Spurgeon, Charles Spurgeon, and he says, Self is the womb out of which 77 times seven saints are born. And it's true. I look at my life and all the places that I fall short, all the places that I'm weak, it's, it's myself. The one thing I see is self. I, I want to please myself so well that it gives birth to my sinful nature. It allows my sinful nature to manifest. He says it's, it's the womb that produces 77 times seven saints. Why am I not forgiven? I care about myself. I, it's because of myself. And that is what God wants to change in my life. That is what my new birth tackles. That is what God has changed, altered in the death and resurrection of Christ in my life. 
And I have to live it every day, every day, telling myself, you're not living for that old self again. That old self is telling you, you have to be angry. That old self is telling you, uh, he doesn't deserve your forgiveness. That old self is telling you, you don't have to serve him in this way. He doesn't deserve it. That new self, the new man, born after the likeness of Christ, says that before he did it, I forgave him. Before he even wronged me, I had forgiven him. Even when I did not know that he was going to do it, I had already resolved that my forgiveness is free. Why? Because that's the nature of God. He chose us before even the foundation of the world. In our sinful nature, he says, I, I loved you before I even made you. Before I, I made anything here on earth, including the earth itself, I had already chosen you in Christ. I had already placed you as sons. I had adopted you. What transcendence. And the world will not teach you this. But the word of God is powerful. It is true. There is nothing evil about living a selfless life. The only end to being useful as opposed to being famous is life itself. There is fulfillment. There is joy on ending. There is no alteration to your identity. You are immovable, unshakable. You are powerful. And more than anything else, you display the glory of God by being useful to other people. And that is a life that a spiritual Christian has been called to live. In Luke chapter 14 from verse 25, the Bible says that multitudes were following Jesus and he turned and he told them, if anyone wants to follow me, he has to deny himself. You have to hate your mother, you have to hate your father, you have to hate everyone, including yourself. Meaning that comparing the love that I have for all these people that I have in life to the love that I have for God, it's almost as though the love that I have for my mother, my father, my siblings is actually hatred. The love that I have for God, the love that I have for the things of God, the love that I have to live the way God wants me to live is so huge that when I bring the love that I have for my mother close to it, it becomes kind of hatred. It's like, you don't really love your mom. Looking at how much you value the words of God, how much you're willing to do the word of God. That's what it means. But I have to desire him so much, more than I desire to please anyone. I want to desire to do his will so much more than any other thing that I would be useful that I would be nothing except that which he makes me into. Isn't that what tools and equipment are in our hands when we use them? Do they have any option but to just do what we use them for? That is what it means to be useful. And at that point, there is no desire for fame. It is all for the glory of God. In Luke chapter, in Luke chapter 22 from verse 24, the Bible says that, now there was, a, there was also a dispute among them, speaking of the disciples, as to which, which of them should be considered the greatest. And he said to them, The kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and those who exercise authority over them are called benefactors. But not so among you. On the contrary, he who is greatest among you, let him be as the younger, and he who governs as he who serves. For who is greater, he who sits at the table or he who serves? 
Is it not he who sits at the table? Yet I am among you as the one who serves. And that is the mark of the spiritual Christian. That given all that you've been made in Christ, given all the riches of his glory, given where he's placed you, with all the spiritual gifts you have, you, you could be prophesying, you could be speaking in tongues, you, you could be healing, given all of that, you go to the table of men. And even though you are so rich and full of gifts, full of talents, you're skillful in a lot of things, you serve. With Jesus, with his disciples, he washed the feet of the disciples. He said, I am among you, the one who serves. Even though I'm your Lord, I serve you. The desire of God is to make us useful, to edify his church, so that we all will grow together. Isn't this beautiful? So there is no room for boasting. There is no room for being famous. It's sad that some people have made ministry some sort of career. I have to rise through the ranks. I become a pa- I'm a pastor of a small church. I have to desire to be a pastor of a bigger church. And that shows that I'm growing. It's wrong. It doesn't matter where you are. The question is, are you equipping the saints? Are you building the people that you're, you're serving? Are you serving well? If you are, there's, there's nothing more. That's your honor. You've been honored already. The fact that you even have a gift, you even have a privilege to serve people who are called by God in itself is your honor. You are blessed, you are chosen, you are placed as a son. That's enough. That's complete. There is no room for converting all these, like, some, like the way the world does it. Like you have to go after these higher things and have to be more in this. No. The man who is more spiritually, the man who desires the gifts of the Spirit, the man who walks with the Holy Spirit intimately has no pleasure in such things. It doesn't matter where he is. He's still the light of the world. It doesn't matter where he is. He's still the salt of the, of the earth. He could be a fisherman somewhere. He could be a teacher in some classroom in some village. And when you witness him talk, when you witness him speak and teach the kids, you know that God is here. The question is, where has God placed you? What has he blessed you with? What talents, what gifts, what skills have you acquired? Where are you? And how is he working through you in all these things that he's given you? Are you being useful to God? Do you, do you look at yourself and see that I am the tool that God is using where I've been placed? Can you say that? Do you desire that? If you desire that, he would visit you. And even all of your imperfections, even the things that you worry about that are not nice, that are not perfect, he will work through you. If you're already fulfilled in him, if you can look at yourself in Christ and say that this is awesome, why Why did you even save me? Like, Just think about it. The one who made me, loved me so much that he gave his life just to redeem me. And I'm still not satisfied with that. And I, I, I still want something more. Nothing else is going to fill that void when the Christian is not able to look at his relationship with Christ and what Christ has done and what that has made him, that he, had, he has access to God. 
that he's that blessed, that he's that rich in Christ, that he has all these promises, it doesn't make you cry and ask yourself, why? Why not the others? Why Why not the other guy who even struggles to understand that God even exists? Why do I have this understanding? Why does this come so easily to me? And I can't even help convince the other brother who doesn't believe. See, it, it takes the Christian to his knees and it makes him weep and it makes him think, I'm, I'm complete. I'm, I don't need anything else. I don't, I don't need fame. I, just tell me. Just make me useful. Just take me. Just use me. It makes the Christian care about nothing but being useful to God. And it doesn't matter how difficult it is. His pleasure, his delight is in being useful to God. His, his pleasure is not to live long. His pleasure is not to be in some good health, never being sick, never being poor, never being in need. He doesn't care. Now, while he has the strength, he will work. He has the opportunity to go to school. He'll go to school. They are not wrong. But his delight is in the Lord. He could be poor and still be loving. He could be rich and still be loving. He could be sick and still be singing praises to God. He could be deprived of many things. He, he could be living in the poorest part of the earth. And praises were so burst forth out of him. He could be the richest man. And he would still find delight in the Lord. He would still glory in the Lord. He would still say, I am nothing. I am nothing. I am nothing. I am just what you make me into. And that desire for usefulness trumps the desire to be famous, which is what we see around now. And I want to be known. I am already known. Can you imagine Jesus showcasing me in the heavenlies? This is my masterpiece. I, I picked this one from a dungeon. I, I, I took him from dirt. He was full of pride. He, he couldn't forgive man. He was weak. He didn't even know who he was. His identity was nothing. He was, he was rusty. He, didn't, he couldn't boast in anything. He lacked all these spiritual gifts that he has now. He was impatient. He couldn't forgive man. He couldn't love. He was selfish. And I picked him and look what I made out of him. And he's showing me and angels are looking at me and they are, they, are, they are bowing and they are saying, glory be to God. That the transforming power can take a man and make him like that. And even now as I live on earth, I can even boast in that. And the hope that he's even going to make more out of me. This is mind-blowing. No school can teach me to understand myself this way. No amount of education in any university can make me acquire and desire and delight these virtues the way Christ does in his word. And this isn't fame already. This isn't honor already. Sure it is. And the spiritual man says, God, it's done. It, it's finished. I am complete. All that is left for me to do is to do your will, is to be useful. That is it. So wherever you are, whoever you are, whatever you have, be content in Christ. 
if you're preaching to five people, if you have a small group of 10, do it. Do it so well. Like the host of he- the, the heavenly realms are, are looking at you and they are, they are saying, wow, this is good. Walk with us. Just let's keep walking. Let's keep walking. It doesn't matter how many people you're writing to. Keep writing. It doesn't matter how many people you're singing to. Keep singing. It doesn't matter how many people you're feeding. If your job affords you to only help two pockets, do it. You don't need to have all these high spirits of doing all these wonderful things, being on TV and in this worldly way. No, delight in the Lord. Be content in the Lord. Be useful in the Lord. And that is enough. Heaven is proud of you. God looks at you and he says you are a faithful servant. It doesn't matter how many talents you have. You have one talent, use it. Go before God. He will bless you through that. He would make use of that talent. I always imagine doors in heaven to be very short. You can't go through any door in heaven without bowing. You can't go through any door to access God without going down. It's short. It's narrow. It's not wide open. It's very small. You have to go down and go into it. That's the kind of picture I have in my mind that I have to go down this door and then through that I'll access that which I have attained in Christ. Without that, I'll just be standing at the door. So many people have found the doors to God. They're standing there. They know that more patience will give them more victory. They know that more discipline will give them more victory. They can't do it because they're standing where the door is not even up to their knee. You have to go down. And what happens when you go down? You lose yourself. You don't become the, the proud person you are anymore. You, it drops everything dead around you. And the only thing that is left is that which God has in you, your new man. And then you go through that gate and it leads you into another one and it leads you into another one and it leads you into another one. And gradually, it becomes your habit. It becomes your life. It doesn't become just knowledge in your head. But, oh, Christ died for me to be this, for me to be that. But you really live the realities of the riches of God in Christ Jesus. You know, oh, it leads you into more forgiveness. It leads you into more patience. It leads you into more love. It leads you into more self-control. How useful do you want to be? Is it easy? It's not. God is going to prune you. He's going to cut certain edges off. He's going to chisel you. He's going to plane you. But in the end, you are going to be his masterpiece. I pray that God leads us into usefulness in our jobs, in our churches, in our communities, in our homes, everywhere. That as a husband, I'll be more useful to my home, to my wife. That at my job, I'll be more useful. Not only because I'm getting paid, but because that is my nature. That my heart will be where God's heart is, serving the needs of others. That I'll consider others better than me, so that I'll become more and more like Christ. May God help and equip us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for tuning in to Glory Field. If this message edified you, please make a personal commitment to act on it. Prioritize building a deeper fellowship with the Holy Spirit and never neglect prayer. He's ever willing to indwell you and make you more like Christ. 
We encourage you to find a community of believers who also desire to be like Christ. God's faithful. He'll order your steps in righteousness. We love you, and we agree in prayer with you to be obedient to Christ Jesus. 